I think the number one thing is what do you love to, to deliver? <laughs> and so I always ask people like, what is it? What is your zone of genius? And what is going to make you want to show up month after month? You are listening to Amplifier Success Podcast, episode 294. And today, let's go behind the scenes of a profitable membership program and discover how you can ramp things up with one. You ready for this? Let's get started. Welcome to the Amplify Your Success Podcast. Get ready to ramp up your revenue, amplify your impact, and make your mark in the world. This is the show for experts, thought leaders, and service professionals who want to shatter their limits and achieve that next level, you're going to find out from other experts and influencers how they made it. Now, let's get amplified. Hey there, entrepreneurs and business leaders. It's your host, Melanie Benson, authority amplifier to expert-based business owners just like you. Today, we're talking about membership programs and what it takes to create a profitable one. What are people looking for? What are people saying yes to? How do you deliver it? Look, membership programs are a highly scalable area of business, and this might be the right next step for you. So I've got a special guest joining me today to talk it through. One of the things that's super important about getting your business beyond the early six figures is understanding where your superpower is monetizable. Now, it might be a membership program. Uh, You might have some other kind of high ticket offer. Maybe there's a hybrid type program where you have group coaching, uh, like we do in Amplify Your Authority Inner Circle. It's a blend of group coaching, personalized coaching, and on-demand training. You need to be able to figure out what is going to be the magic for your superpower. If you don't have that superpower unleashed, unlocked, and making big money right now, I think you're sitting on a gold mine and... It's probably dormant. So let's get that resolved for you. Head over right now to amplifywithmelly.com. Download my seven-step framework to add another six figures to your business this year by leveraging other people's platforms. I'm going to unpack several of these strategies for you. But in particular, I want to create a little possibility with you what your hot signature offering could look like if you're really leaning into your superpowers. Again, that's amplifywithmelanie.com. Now let's get into today's episode. Welcome back, amplifiers. Today, we're going to tackle a much requested topic, how to scale your business with profitable membership programs. Super excited about this conversation today. And let me introduce you to our special guest expert, Lisa Princick. Now, Lisa is the owner of Scaling Deep. And over the last 12 years, she has helped hundreds of impact-driven business owners dive deep into their unique value and business models to build sustainable and profitable brands. Lisa helps coaches, consultants, and professionals become thought leaders, increase their impact, and wealth with membership programs. A staunch believer in business simplicity and intention, she helps her clients accomplish those goals by focusing on what to do and what to ignore. This is a lady after my own heart, I tell you. Now, Lisa loves a challenge with adventure, and you can find her skiing or biking in the coastal mountains of British Columbia, Canada. Welcome to the show, Lisa. Thanks so much for having me. 
Yeah, I'm looking forward to this. I I get asked so much about membership programs. I think everybody understands there's so much value and growth potential in a membership program, but there's also a lot of conflicting advice and confusion and, you know, people throw a dart at something and it doesn't stick. And then, you know, they're like, oh, it didn't work for me. So I'm looking forward to unpacking this today. Yeah, me too. I mean, it's, there is a lot, it's a lot, it's a, it's a complex program as is business. Uh, you know, we always think that business is uh, like, Oh, just start a course or start a coaching this. And there's always, there's always details. Right. And I think memberships throw uh, in a few extra details. And so I'm happy to help everyone who's listening, try to come up with the most simplified approach they can to mm. doing it for themselves. Cause it is a quite a rewarding way to serve our clients. I agree. Well, let's talk with what memberships are and like the types of membership programs we might be considering. I think that's a good place to get everybody on the same page. Yeah. I like to think about memberships as recurring revenue or that's not in a done for you style. So there are a lot of programs that operate like memberships, even when they don't look like it, it's basically you're paying for access. And when you leave the program, the access goes away. So we, I've seen recently a lot of even high ticket programs that are like six months and it's like $1,500 per month. And then you lose access, but you can re up in six months time, which, so I feel like they're kind of borrowing from that subscription model and offering a lot of access and presence when you're in it. And then not just saying, but you can access this forever because they want people to take advantage of it and actually dive in and get results. So I tend to look at them a little more loosely than having to be all about being in a community or a group or uh, content that comes out in a certain way in that you, someone's paying for a month of access. They can, you can sign up for a year, but they're paying for that. And then, um, it, it, they lose that when it goes. And that's the simplest, simplest way of describing it for me. And it also allows us to be a little more open about what we want to offer and within it. That makes total sense. And thank you for letting me know my mic was muted. A <laughs> little bit of dog background entertainment there. Uh, so when we're thinking about memberships, how does someone know that introducing a membership program is right? for their business model. And I, I want to kind of pull back in something from, you know, what I learned about you and your introduction is you like to keep things simple, right? So mm -hmm. how, how do we know if this is right for us right now? Okay. So I want to answer your other question earlier first about like, what okay. are the different types of memberships? I, I kind of just let it, it's cause there's two types that people normally start with. And one is a, like a warm up, and one is a follow-up. And so a warm up might be, and this is also will explain like when it's a good time to have one like this is if you have say a podcast and a ton of people coming to, to you or, and they always want to like, what can they access? What can they buy? And you don't have a program that they can buy, um, at any time and access or something, but they want more of you and, or you want a place to be an audience that's warmer to be able to sell higher ticket programs to that's a great way to get people uh, to know you, to have them start following you, start paying attention more intentionally to what you're offering. Then when we off get free content, we're kind of half paying attention. Mm -hmm. And when we are buying something from somebody, when we're in a relationship with them, we will pay more attention and 
consume more of what they're offering. So that is a great model for people who are wanting, have a huge amount of volume of people coming to them and they want to get them one step closer to being a larger paying client. So that's a great time for that. And it's a great opportunity to get more people further along rather than just like come for a freebie or come listen to something and then, and then disappear. You actually have got something to roll them into. And then the second model that I love is the follow-up. And this is the easiest type of membership. And it's, it's, I think a big missed opportunity with coaches, especially is the follow-up, which is offering a continued form of support to your clients after you work together and more intensely. And this is something that I did at first, like my first membership was a very much a pop-up mentorship model where I just invited past clients to join and we just did monthly office hours. And that just allowed them to stay tethered to the work that we did together. They trusted me and uh, they also aren't going to get instant results, you know, like we're working on business strategy and they're going to be working on things for a long time after our VIP intensive, like half day uh, that I offer. And they were continuing to do the work and they had questions that came up as they implemented their plan. But of course, paying for privates gets really expensive. So this kind of kept them in a group model, learning from each other, getting validation and just getting help when they needed it. So that, that's like a good opportunity. And I think we sometimes don't recognize that we ha- are not extending our lifetime value of our clients as much by just offering something and then having nothing next for them, like nothing next for them to do. Like we don't have the next step. So they go elsewhere and they buy from someone else. Took me years (laughs) to figure that (laughs) one out. I didn't realize it was missing. So it it can be as simple as a monthly office hour follow-up model. Yeah. I love how simple that is. And I think this is a missed opportunity for a lot of people because they're making the whole membership concept really complicated and it can actually be as simple as you just made it, like just a way to continue access. You don't have to have a community being the the big part where they're chit-chatting on a group online. I mean, that's Mm -hmm. not my favorite part of a membership. Mine is actually coaching calls and, Mm -hmm. and, and memberships that I join have to have coaching calls. And when they are a simple how to, I will, you know, and they're low ticket and it's a Facebook live and there's one call a month. I, I don't tend to stay in those for too long, but although those are great feeders for people who are like, but now join my program to learn even more. So those work, but it's not something I would join forever unless I'm really working on that problem consistently. And, and the second that I was model, I was talking about that follow-up is the kind of mem- model that I love. Like I love being in those memberships and I love offering that kind of that kind of membership where they really get validation and feedback. Yeah. I think a lot of people need that. This is a great opening for a common question that I hear in my industry as well as for my clients and our communities. Like, so what should we include in a membership program to make it really hot and compelling? Yeah. I, I think the number one thing is what do you love to, to deliver? (laughs) And so I always ask, people like, what is it? What is your zone of genius? And what is going to make you want to show up month after month? I mean, I know there was a a time when a lot of people were, well, I don't want to have to be tied to a membership. I don't want to be overwhelmed. What if I want to go away for a month? But I think we know that usually in our businesses there, we're going to be showing up. Like there's so much social media and content out there in the world that 
we'd have, our team would have to be huge in order for us to actually disappear for months at a time. So we're probably going to show up in our business at least, uh, you know, a couple times a month anyway. So why not just do it in the way we love? And if we really are coaches and we love showing up and helping people, then why not schedule two to three calls a month as our foundation? We can have a starter course in there. We can have some uh, guest speakers once in a while, like just sort of whatever you want. And if you really don't like community, you don't have to have a community. And if you really don't want to have a lot of content, then don't produce the content every month because everyone's always overwhelmed by content. But honestly, I think we lose people from too much content than from too little content because people get overwhelmed, they feel unsuccessful, and then they are like, I can't consume this, I'll have to go. And I think that what people really need is to do the work they need to do to get to the result. And so sometimes just pointing back to that thing that they said they would work on that they haven't yet is all they need to be successful and continue on the journey and make your membership successful. So it's really a practice of of looking at like, what is your zone of genius? What is your personality type and how do you love to show up and how do you show up best? That makes it really simple again. (laughs) Um, So how do we fit it into other things we might be doing? Let's say I do have a coaching offering and I have some other things that I'm offering. How does a membership fit into that? Like I'm imagining there's like a puzzle that you see. In terms of like the offer suite, like, well, again, I think it's about like, what do you want your membership to do for your business? And if it is a feeder into other programs, if you have nothing lower ticket or you don't really you want to be in relationship with people and you want to have a closer audience to you say than on social media and, and kind of gather a group. Like I'm very attracted to having smaller groups. Like I know that social media to me feels like a little bit like impersonal and I don't know who these people are (laughs) all the time. And I don't always want to, I don't always want to like show up and deliver. Whereas when you have a smaller audience that's closer to you, you kind of feel like, what do they need from me? And what are they thinking? And it can be an easier way to produce content. And I, and so that's where, if you know, you've got higher ticket programs and you know, the people who buy your programs are people who are uh, like, have taken a step towards buying from you already, then your membership can almost be a little bit of a lost leader because as long as it's not costing a lot of money, if it really is the pre-launch platform, then it'll, it's a, an excellent way to warm your audience up towards large, like a larger, your, your money maker. And if you know that it's uh, like, it's this extending the lifetime value, you've got a signature program that does well, or you have private clients and you're like, I don't know what to do with them next. It's an excellent way to like, just add that, that follow-up membership in and create a group kind of culture and a group connections going on and people will stay because of that. So I think like that's, you kind of have to look at it. Like, what is it going to do for your business? How does it fit with what's already successful? And, and one other thing I'll add is that I love the idea of like a signature membership or a flagship membership, where it's like, it's the only program you have. And it's the only thing that you sell and all your content and all your trainings and your leadership all goes in one place. Sometimes that's harder to start because people won't always know who it's for. And while you're experimenting with like, who is the ideal, ideal member before it kind of gets to an expanded target market, it's harder. So I that's why I really believe these other two, two models are like 
oh yeah, I get how I could fit this into my business without throwing everything out that's working already. Cause I want people to ease into this a little bit and, and, and play with it before it becomes a really like uh, big goal that doesn't happen as quickly as they want. Cause we're experimenting all the time. Yeah. Right? That's what entrepreneurs do. <laughs> Test <Yeah>. and track. <laughs> yeah. So I think that's why we need to really go like, what do we want it to do? Like, why do we want to start it? And, and like what it might look like in five years or two years is very different than how it might start. So I think it's a lot to do with commitment. Like it really is that like, I want this model and I want this lifestyle where I don't have to be on back-to-back calls all day or in person with people and, and clients. And, and as I get older or as I, you know, want to like, want to have a little more flow where I want more CEO days and I want to plan and kind of like transform my leadership. I think we have to want that. And I don't know that it's ever going to be this, why don't you just start a membership? Like I, I know people always say, well, what are your clients asking for? Well, there's so much out there in the world right now. Our clients are not necessarily asking for us to do things. We have to kind of come up with some leadership around like, I want this and I, I'm excited to create this visionary business model and I'm going to figure it out and yeah. play along the way. We have to, we have to create the desire in them when we have that spark. And I think that spark is what really is the catalyst for that. So set on, um, let's talk about pricing, you know, pricing seems to be one of those, um, big black holes of what do I really do here? And people just kind of either emulate what they see other people doing, or they just shoot in the dark and say, let's see if this works. Um, how do, how do you guide people around pricing uh, a membership program? Pricing has to fit with what you were willing to show up for to some extent. And I would think about it in terms of what are you offering? Like how much are you giving to people? Like in terms of your time, your effort, how much contact or will they have with you? That that's some some elements of that are important to think about because I think like anything, you know, someone's high ticket is someone's low ticket. It's really like pricing is all over the map. But I do think there's this combination of of like how you're positioning it in terms of really meeting their needs and how much it's really going to to solve their problems. And then what does it really do for your business? Because if you've got a a, uh, an, int- an introduction, like warm-up model where people just come in and they're, they don't know you, but they're willing to try it out. They probably will expect it to be lower priced than and before they, they show up and just buy without having anything, knowing anything about you. Someone who's paid for something really expensive from you before, like a higher ticket program or a intensive or one-on-one will probably expect something in alignment with what they just spent for you. Cause they get the quality of what you offer. So I think that really influences the price. And I think that there has to be some experimentation. And of course, then there's like B2B versus B2C, like consumers are, are going to be paying a little bit less often than business to business. So I it's hard and I don't want to put too much out there because I'm still kind of observing and experimenting and asking questions of my own audience and what they feel is higher ticket or not. Um, but 
you have a chance with your founding members launch to kind of really give people an irresistible deal. And I like the idea of, of keeping it at that price until you get a, a volume of people that feels like really healthy to the membership, which can be like 10 to 30. And, and then after that, you've got a little bit more leeway with increasing it. You mentioned um, having this uh, kind of the kickoff and, you know, launching it, get, you know, initial members, getting special discounts. You know, how do you recommend somebody goes about kind of launching a new membership? Like, what are some key things we need to be thinking about to get it off the ground? And um, I'm, I'm particularly thinking about like, there's the cart open, the cart closed. Like, do you, do you let people like enroll all the time or do you have one specific launch and then you close it? Just curious your thoughts on that. Yeah. Again, this is something I'm putting a lot of time and attention to right now and experimenting with myself. So everyone thinks that you, and that you need to have your, an open and close period. And if you're using certain tactics, like the price is increasing and the cart, you know, your cart is closing. Scarcity does work a little bit like timelines and deadlines for people to actually sit up and pay attention and take action. I think there's a way that we can do it evergreen, like meaning like people come into you, get to know you in a certain way, they get a certain offer and that might be, uh, a price that they can't get again, but it doesn't have to happen in a launch. Not necessarily. The first launch obviously is the kicking it off the ground and you don't want to enroll people one by one. So I would say the first time you do it, just keep it simple and just invite your warm audience. And I wouldn't try to put it out to the world. I, I would just focus on getting your found, like your, your people who, you know, and if it takes personal, I mean, if it's personal invites, it's personal invites. I mean, it really, I really do believe in the pilot model, the pilot, then private. So pilot meaning like, Hey, I don't even have a fancy sales page for this. Second, like is the private meaning like I, I have a sales page, but it's to my warm audience or my warm list. And then it's the public, which you are really going up for cold traffic. And then you're trying to sell it, but that is something you probably won't be doing the first time you launch a program, right? Because you want to validate it before you really like invest in getting strength, like people who don't know you into the program. Mm -hmm. So I would just go really low tech, invite people, you know, send out personal invites. It doesn't really matter how it gets started. It really depends on where, you know, where you're at in your business. If I mean, that would be unheard of if you have like a you know, a, a million dollar business, uh, unless you're sending, selling a $10,000 a month membership. But, uh, if, if you've got like a smaller group of people and you've got a really close group of clients then just invite them personally, or if you are really great with your email list and you, and you send out really great personal emails, then to that list as a whole, then that could be the way you do it. And you can send three to five emails and that's all it takes. You don't have to have an event. Um, but I would get that group started and I would kind of not necessarily try to focus on enrollment right away. Like just get a solid group of people to make the membership work well enough. So you have enough feedback, you have enough participation, you have enough observation about what you want to do in it. And then you can open it up again in a few months and then decide, oh, I've got people signing my wait list left, right, and center. Therefore, I don't, I really should have this open all the time. Or no, I need to get more attention about, you know, about this again. And I need to do a, a larger event. So 
let's say somebody's gone through all these steps. They, they launched their membership. They, they've got people in their membership. How do, how do you keep those people engaged and happy and wanting to continue to invest over and over and over again to stay in that, um, whatever that support system is that you've built? Well, they just need to be getting value from it. And I, you know, I think if you're not sure you can reach out to people and ask for, to do check-ins with them. If you're not really sure, cause you'll, you'll start to learn. And I think one of the things we need to learn when we run memberships is that a lot of people are getting value out of it without showing up to everything. And we make an assumption that they're not, but they actually are. They're just doing it in a different way. That's more private not everyone's an engager. In fact, I, there's a stat that someone shared with me within my own membership that said something about like out of hundred people, 10 would be, I've got this written somewhere and I wish I had this off the top of my head are going to be like ambassadors or engagers or something. And then no, is it one? And then nine will be like showing up sporadically and then 90% will be lurking and hopefully getting some kind of value. So if you think about that, there's only going to be a few super fans and the ones that are showing up to everything. And then there'll be a lot of people who are here and there. So it does take volume in order to get that, like someone commenting on everything. And we make a lot of assumptions that people aren't getting value out of it, but then you go reach out to someone like, Oh, I've just gone through all the, the trainings and they're not showing up on the calls. So let, you know, don't make an, a huge assumption and don't assume that you have to be stuffing content down their throat. Like if, as long as you are there providing them with, the, the consistency of like every week I do a prompt or every month I'm providing a, a crucial training or a template or whatever it is you plan to offer people and then just stand by that value. But I like to look at it in terms of you're offering a transformation. And if all roads lead to that transformation all the time, then your job is to not necessarily come up with cute and fun and things if that's just distracting unless your community is all about connection and fun <laughs> right so i you've just got to figure out that purpose and then you've got to make sure that you are serving that purpose and not filling it full of things i mean there's ways to get more people engaged but it really depends on your type of of membership program and i wouldn't say just throw in all the things because again they'll just feel overwhelmed yeah, totally agree. So this is fascinating. And I'm curious if somebody's like, I want a membership program, how, how would you guide them to take that next step with you? So, yeah, well, first of all, come check me out and what my trainings and, and I've got all kinds of trainings on like really core components, like positioning and mindset. Positioning is always a huge thing for me. I'm like in love with positioning as like, we all need it in our business and we're always refining it. And so I do have an app, the scaling deep app that you can get on like the app store. And I have behind that kind of all these trainings that you can't really find anywhere because they're all the trainings that I've done for different summits and different other things all in one place. So that's just by searching up scaling deep. And then I have a website uh, on my website, you can go to scaling deep forward slash app, and that will guide you to that, uh, to those different places, as well as other ways that you can kind of get onto my, my stuff, yeah. <laughs> my, my world. 
and learn yeah. more. Uh, yeah, I've got lots of how-to guides and how to get started and address all the things that people have questions with. Oh, and I also have a Facebook group that you can join called uh, Membership Site Mastery with Lisa Princip. Nice. So uh, we'll link those guys. We will link that up for you in the show notes. Sorry, still having a little bit of COVID brain fuzz here. Um, so let's let's get a little bit more personal with Lisa, get behind the scenes, like learn a little bit more about you and how you got to where you are. Um, I always like to know like how people use their mindset. Like what is the, the mindset stuff they've had to, to incorporate to get where they are in business. So what would you say is one of the biggest mindset shifts that you've had to step into to be someone that teaches what you teach today? Oh, we could go down so many rabbit holes here. <laughs> yeah. Well, one of the things that has shifted for me is, well, it's this, it's a little bit of the not caring what people think, which I know it's like, it's one thing to say, and it's another thing to actually feel, but it's that getting connected to what I enjoy and find meaningful and and, and really holding on to that vision and, and just being prepared to kind of like fail a lot, like really not making, like I was brought up in that perfectionist <laughs> in a generation where you don't do things unless they, you know, if they're not going to work out, you don't do it. And I think getting over that like idea of nobody's like, nobody's really noticing and failure is not a bad thing, like, or having, throwing out something like it really like getting over that ourselves that way and just being more humble and not just that people aren't paying attention, but this, it's just not that important because I, we are going to have to be prepared to have things like put enough things out and change them slightly enough each time to finally hit the mark somehow. Like, one tweak can just get the message across and make that connection of urgency or passion. And we just never know what that is. So I think once we get used to those, those sort of feelings and yeah, we're going to feel crappy if something doesn't go as well as we think we're going to just have to like move on to the next thing. And I think that's just how everyone's done it. I think just some mm -hmm. people take it way more seriously. So I've just learned to not take it seriously. And, and yeah. it's not to like shove down the emotions when I, when things aren't feeling like, you know, we, we have to honor that, but then just accepting it as part of the process and yeah, uh, starting again. <laughs> yeah. I mean, one of the greatest assets or character components, I think as entrepreneurs is learning how to move out of a failed attempt. Like if you can learn how to move gracefully or not so gracefully and just pick yourself back up and try again. Like that is the muscle. Most of us have to, to develop as entrepreneurs. I, agree. I know. And I think it's different for everyone. Like I really do. I think there is some healing in there. There's some personal development stuff and then there's a bit of action taking. And then there's getting into this vision or purpose of not having expectations around when and how, because it's not like, that's where we have to kind of shut out that, oh, well, people did it this quickly and, and all that stuff. Like, I know we hear, it's the same marketing stuff that we're, we're like seeing all the time is the stuff that's holding us back. Mm -hmm. And we just have to like, absolutely stop caring about it and let it go. And then, because we might not get there, but it doesn't mean it's not worth it when we get there. Right. And 
it's still worth it. It's still worth it because we could all be doing other things, <laughs> right? Exactly. <laughs> but might be easier <laughs> and more mainstream. <laughs> right. uh, what is one thing you wish you would have done sooner? I definitely would have niched down a bit. Yeah. To membership sooner. Um, yeah, I got a bit comfortable in, in more general space, but I also was really attracted to be someone uh, of someone who was really building something that had like more of my control over it. That like, when you, when you pick a niche, you really know how to go find your audience and you really know how to be a little bit different than everyone else. And that's gives that provides you so much more opportunities to get into audiences because like, you know, because you're, you're not talking about the general stuff that everyone else is. So that, that would have given me a lot more, I think, traction a lot sooner that in terms of building my own audience. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I waited way too long to niche down and uh, yeah, I struggled with it for a long time. And, and I think choosing that niche and really owning that niche is a very powerful positioner. As you said, you're in love with positioning. <laughs> you always feel like you know what to do next. I think like it's, it's really clear uh, how you stand out and what you're doing differently. And the relationships are easier to form. I find because no one, if, if no one's talking about what you're talking about or the people that you're the group you're in front of, like I've been on a lot of summits and stuff lately, and I'm a really obvious ad to, because it's different. And that's just a lot of audience growth without spending any money on that. And that's been amazing. So I, I think that it's easier to build your authority when, when people, people know exactly what you're going to talk about. Your, your peers will reach out to you. They will make it easier for you. And that totally. is the best way to, <laughs> you know, there's, audience there's, sharing. there's literally colleagues of mine that I've never collaborated with in any way because I don't understand what they do. And the minute they picked a niche, I was like, Oh, I now know how to spotlight them. It's a, it's a game changer. So I'm so glad you brought that up. Lisa, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been really interesting hearing your take on membership programs and, you know, hearing the ins and outs and what you're testing. And I love that you've got this app. I hope uh, as you're listening in today, like go check out this app uh, and check out Lisa and the work she's doing, especially if you're ready to take on a membership program. Thanks, Lisa. You're welcome. Thanks for tuning in today, Amplifier. Be sure to join us right now in the Amplify Your Authority community at authorityamplifiers.com and I'll share my seven proven tips to be a highly paid expert that stands out in a crowded market. Plus, we're going to keep this conversation going and I want to hear from you how you're going to amplify your authority and make a greater impact. Before you go, please take a minute to give our show and our guests some love over on your favorite podcasting platform. Subscribe, rate, and review. Leave your full name and I'll spotlight you and your authority on social media. 